It's season four! Welcome to the Joint Practices Podcast. With your host, Sean Lamont. I was waiting for woo, 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 caddy, woo! Steve Knox. No, but I'm going to tell Elijah to go masturbate with maple syrup tonight. Let me know how that goes for you. And Elijah Arnold. Here we go, kid. Time to shine. Clamor slammers. And that's not what it said. I'm going to tell you a worse story than that right now. <laughs> I literally poured milk onto my testicles. Yo! Welcome back to the Joint Practices Podcast. This is the podcast for fans, by fans, that's fans like me. I'm your host, Sean Lamont, on Twitter, at 11 goat. Join tonight. It is episode 170. The man with the master plan. No relation to Steely Dan. It's the OG Olive Garden Pimp. Mr. Super Sticky Steve Knox. Soupy, how you doing? Well, here we go again. Jesus Christ. Yep. I think we're going to call this episode, well, that sucks. Fitting. That's basically what I said on Sunday uh, after the Vikings game. So I said the same thing after the Eagles game, which was kind of a weird day for me because I kind of shut my phone off. We had some family stuff to do. So I shut my phone off, shut everything off, left my phone at the house. When I got home, put the girls to bed about seven o'clock. I turned on the game to watch it as if, you know, it was coming on live. And boy, was I disappointed. Not a good start to the year for us. One in three between the two of us. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Get that extra game this year. I'll make up for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's kick it off because, uh, I mean, I'll go first this week. The Niners and the Eagles. Oh, you hear that? Put myself to sleep, just like that game put the fans to sleep. Eagles lose at home to the Niners, 17-11. to And was a very frustrating game as a fan because, you know, Brandon Graham goes down with an Achilles injury. He's out for the year. Brandon Brooks goes down with a pec strain. He's going on IR, but he's not out for the season. Still a huge hit to our offensive line. And the frustrating thing is when you watch the game, if you go back and watch it back, the Eagles should have been up 20 to nothing late in the first half. Like, whatever. The Niners earned that touchdown they scored at the end of the half. I'll give them that. But we should have gone into halftime 20 to 7. And the fact that we went into halftime losing 7 to 3 was so frustrating. I literally looked at my wife and I said, I won't be surprised if they don't score another point. It just feels like one of those games where nothing is going to work. Nothing, you know, move on to next week, take the L. And then they came out in the second half and it was the same thing. There was just so many missed opportunities, including a drive that started inside their own five with a 91-yard completion and ended with zero points. That has to be some sort of NFL record. When's the last time a team had a 91-yard play and didn't score any points on that drive? That's incredible. Probably the end of a game. I mean, I had flashbacks to last year with Doug and Carson where it felt like every play was a deep shot or it was nothing at all. They would just kept, you know, we have all the speed, so we have to throw it deep every time. Kind of felt like Sirianni was a little too ahead of himself, uh, trying to be proactive. Cause you know, a lot of people will say, you know, you can't run the same offense all year. Teams will figure you out. Kind of feels like he had that kind of mindset with Jalen Hurts and what worked week one. So he totally reinvented the playbook. We didn't see any of the stuff we saw week one, none of it. And it didn't work. They really did let this game slip away. This was a winnable game. And I'm just hoping that, you know, Sirianni takes this loss, sees what he did wrong, sees what the players did wrong, 
and he can coach them through it to the point where if later on in the season we're in this situation again, they know how, what to do. They know how to capitalize on it. it. In particular, that drive where they got the 91-yard pass play, they get all the way down to, like, what was it, two or the three. They ran three straight plays that were rollouts to the right. And on fourth down, they ran a version of the Philly special where Greg Ward threw the ball away. It's fourth down, bud. Try to get in the end zone or something. Don't throw the ball away. What are we doing? So basically what I gather through this game is through two weeks with this team being so young, there's going to be high highs and low lows. I mean, they're learning on the fly, not just the players, but the coaches as well. What to expect going forward? I have no clue. After week one, I thought this was a team that could compete with anyone. I still have a, I still have the feeling that they will compete. But will they be able to keep up? Who knows? Um, we said it a lot last week. We can't take too much off of week one. And I still feel like after two weeks, we still don't know where these teams are. Like, are the Vikings really an 0-2 team? Probably not. Two bad breaks? Yes. Whew. Can't stop yawning tonight. It's probably because the second half of that game was so terrible. <clears throat> Anyways. One thing I can look forward to is the defense because I don't know if you feel the same way, Steve, but this Eagles defense definitely seems much improved from last year. I'm sure it has a lot to do with scheme change. Uh, the addition of Steve Nelson definitely helps, but through two games, they've allowed a combined 23 points. That's pretty damn good. They gave up six and then 17. You can't ask for much more in, in the league this time, you know, this day and age. I mean, absolutely. You think with, you know, how Shanahan runs his offense, you know, holding them to 17 points. If you told me, hey, the Eagles are only going to give up 17 points this week. I was like, yeah, that's a win. But, you know, shit happens other you know, other parts of the game that uh, hurt their opportunities, their chances to win the game. Jesus, I, I was heartbroken on that Jalen Rager play. Oh, my God. That was uh that was tough, um, but again, young guy, you know, stuff like that's gonna happen. You brought up that fourth down trick play, like way too busy to be doing in a situation like that. You know, you you're making it way more difficult on yourself than you need to. You have to have some sort of a play in the playbook where you can slip a guy open for a couple of yards. Um, you know, and that and you have and, you have Jalen Hurts, man, like. One of those plays, how about a designed run? Yeah. He is one of the most efficient goal line quarterbacks. Like, use him. That's what he's good at. Yeah, and I mean, it's tough to really, after this game, to like feel too down for the Eagles, though, because, you know, I was, I mean, I questioned the them drafting Jalen Hurts when they did and then replacing Carson Wentz with him. And then trading away Carson Wentz, but Jalen Hurts is the second highest rated quarterback in the NFL after two weeks. So that's a, uh, I mean, something to build on. And they have a lot of talent. So long as they can stay healthy, it's a. I mean, I, I feel like once this offense figures it out, you know, once the coaching staff goes, all right, well, this is what we did week one, and we were super duper successful tried to mix it up a little bit. Maybe we're not so good at some of these other things, but you know, once they figure it out, I think this offense could be really explosive. I mean, we saw the deep shot that Quez Watkins, you know, Rager trying to go deep, steps out of bounds. Like they barely guys. too. Yeah. So I mean, as soon as they can find a way to get their offense in a scheme where you can kind of lull the defense into a false sense of security and then hit them over the top, like they have plenty of options to do so so it's not always going to come from you know one side of the field um yeah I, I mean like you said defense much improved uh they played a good good game against uh a, can be a pretty potent Niners offense but uh you know losing Brandon Graham that's it's gonna be tough next guy up and uh we hate to see these fucking injuries seem to always pop up for the Eagles early on in the season 
And they always happen. It's crazy. The injury bug that's injury stigma, basically, in Philadelphia. And, you know, Graham popped his Achilles, but I heard, I saw people on Twitter going off, spouting off about the medical staff and whatnot. <coughs> Excuse me. He got hurt in the middle of the, like a play. You, I don't know how you can put somebody rupturing their Achilles on a medical staff. Like, I don't know. This Twitter finger is going to tweet, I guess. But the defense is going to have a huge hole to feel, fill because he's not only a starter, he's a captain, he's a leader. You know, who's going to step up now? And before I move on real quick, can I just say, fuck Derek Barnett. For the love of God, every game with him, it's some stupid cheap shot bullshit penalty. He does this all the time. They had, towards the end of the game, what would have put the Niners in a third and 15 deep in their own zone. And he just comes out of the fucking woodwork and clobbers a guy in the back while the guy's out of bounds after the whistle. Just a stupid fucking play. He's always, always taking cheap shots and... I'm tired of it. I'm not going to say it cost them that game, but it cost them an opportunity to get off the field and, you know, potentially tie that game up or go take the lead. So that bothered me. I had to get that off my chest. This Eagles D has a fairly big test coming up this week. We'll preview it in a little bit, but it is Dallas, the first divisional game of the year. Before we move on, Steve, my players of the game, on defense, there's Jannard Avery. Surprised, surprised a lot of people. This is a guy that they traded a fourth-round pick for, I believe, two years ago, and everybody called him a bust, said he didn't work out. This year, they moved him to linebacker, and he was all over the field today, making great plays. Really impressed with Jannard Avery. On offense, I didn't really have a whole lot to choose from. I mean, the offense wasn't terrible. They moved the ball well, but... Like, nobody really stood out except for Quez Watkins and that big play he had. So I gave it to him. He had two catches for 117 yards. <laughs> That's my players of the game. Now we can uh, talk about some more exciting stuff or not because the Vikings fall to the Cardinals in a heartbreaker. 34-33. to Soup, take it away. Yeah, From what I... Uh... You know, started watching the game, thought maybe, you know, this is this is shaping up to be pretty good for the Vikings. Um, but unfortunately, you get in a situation where you have an opportunity to go up 21 to 7 on the Cardinals uh, there in the first half, which, hey, you'd take it. But uh, Greg Joseph miss, misses an extra point, and I'm like, this is definitely going to bite them in the ass. I can tell. <laughs> And then, uh, much like they did in week one, the defense, and I mean, the whole team really, you know, just laid an egg late in the uh, first half. If you recall last week against the Bengals, they gave up uh, 14 points in the last minute and 51 seconds. And to the Cardinals, they gave up 17 points in the last three minutes and 15 seconds. So when you should go up with a, or go to halftime with a pretty significant lead, you know, going to halftime trailing by one point. Um, that's, you know, don't you really got to tighten that up. I don't know what it is um, that's going on with that, but it seems like going into the halftime and then coming out there, the defense is really struggling because they allowed uh, the Bengals in week one to score a touchdown on their first drive. It was like not even a six minute drive. Same thing with the Cardinals. The Cardinals go down and score a touchdown you know, five minutes, 49 seconds on their first drive. So those are things that really need to be tightened up because, I mean, that, that costs you the game right there, 24 points. It's, uh, you know, people want to go ahead and blame, you know, Greg Joseph for missing a 37-yard field goal at the end. But, I mean, everybody kind of had a hand in how this game doesn't fall in your favor. Same thing with the coaching staff. I felt like, that last drive, they got an opportunity to go down and score, win the game. Um, just lackadaisical, man. It was like they couldn't get plays in. It seemed like they were fine just settling for a field goal try. You had where they ended up kicking the, the field goal from 
like they literally the play before ended there was 39 seconds on the clock when the play clock comes up and they were just like all right that's good enough like you gotta you gotta try man you're trying it's like they're playing not to lose the game yeah especially when you have a history you know your team your kicker has a history of not making kicks like you why would you as a coach, as a player, want to ever leave that in the hands of a kicker. It's like in a in a fight where they say, "Don't leave it in the hands of the judges." Yeah, I mean, finish it. It's yeah. You you had to. You got to be more aggressive. You know, you have to have a sense of urgency there. And I mean, I feel like they should at this point should be able to just trust Kirk to be able to take take over in that scenario. And not be looking to the coaches to make the decision, whatever, like get up to the ball, spike it, huddle up, and then get something in there. Don't just stand around and go, okay, well, no, we're just going to let the clock run down. Like you got a first down, you got an opportunity here, get another good chunk play, you know, maybe take a shot at the end zone. And then if you have to, you know, kick the field goal. Cause I mean, the offense moved the ball well all day for the most part. I mean, both offenses really crushed it in the first half, and I felt like uh, both teams made really good adjustments on defense um, coming out of the half. And, I mean, what was it? 15, almost 50 points scored in the first half yeah. <laughs> to, to 20 in the second half. So, yeah, that both teams did make good adjustments and uh, found a way to, you know, stifle the you know, red-hot offenses from both sides. But you still – defense still gave up, you know, 400 yards to – Kyler Murray through the air um, did pick him off twice, which is nice. You like to see the turnovers. And uh, speaking of those, those turnovers, well, this stat teams with a pick six, three plus passing touchdowns, and 175 plus yards rushing, which the Vikings did on Sunday, were 78 and one throughout NFL history <laughs> and they made it 78 and two. So uh real tough game again, 175 yards rushing. They were just gashing the Cardinals, especially uh, on the ground. Yeah. Cook's six, a grown ass man. Yeah, six and a half yards of carry. Um, you just, it, it's just one of those things, man. It's like the defense, it feels like they're going to continue to let this team down throughout the year. Um, they don't have an easy schedule moving forward uh, for the rest of the year. You're going to play a lot of really good offenses. And I mean, if, if anybody told me, you know, going into the season, oh, you're going to score 33 points, you've got to feel like that's enough to win. And the defense clearly doesn't, doesn't have that, uh, that capability. So um, we could see a lot of these, you know, big shootout games, um, I feel like the, you know, the wide receivers, Thielen, Jefferson, KJ Osborne, who's uh, a rookie, seems like he belongs. He's had two really good uh, first weeks of the season. Um, you know, they got they got some options there. Dalvin Cook went in the injury tent there for a minute. Oh, got a God. little nervous, <laughs> but everything was okay. So um, you're, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough to like feel bad about starting 0 and 2 cuz the Vikings are clearly the best 0 and 2 team in the league right now um but you know what <laughs> you think about it this way you know if you want to say 10 and 7 will get you into the playoffs that means you need to go 10 and 5 the rest of the way so you need to win 2 thirds of your games not an easy task and uh, the Vikings going to have some work cut out for them i i don't know um, They're going to have to do some damage in the division. Oh, absolutely. But they, uh, I don't know, just something about defense performing so poorly when you have a defensive-minded coach. It's just like, like what the hell is happening? Like, what, what aren't they doing that they're supposed to be doing? And I know, you know, the Cardinals' uh, receiving group, definitely not an easy one to cover. But when Rondell Moore is standing all by himself, like 80 yards down the field, <laughs> like what? The, the, just some silly, silly mistakes that just com continue to compound 
for the Vikings uh, throughout these games that end up costing them these close ones. And these close games are the games that you need to win. I mean, how many times do you see the teams that, you know, either win the division or sneak in with a wild card spot and you look at them and you're like, oh, wow, look at that. They were six and one and, you know, three point games. It's like, here you are. You've lost two of them in two weeks. <laughs> so not a, not a good uh, precedent to set for the rest of the season, but. Um, it's not going to get any easier this upcoming week either. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I think this team that we're playing this week has their own inner demons to uh, conquer. So we'll see if maybe uh, coming home makes a difference. But uh, my players of the game uh, for the Vikings on offense, KJ Osborne, I already mentioned. Uh, big show for, for him. Catches his first um, first NFL touchdown. Five receptions, 91 yards, and that touchdown. Honorable mention to Kirk Cousins. Didn't turn the ball over again. How about the offensive line? Only allowed him to get sacked once. And how about that touchdown he threw to Justin Jefferson? Mm. It was like a mirror image of Kyler Murray's touchdown to, to D-Hop <laughs> just, just before that. Um, and then on defense, Daniel Hunter. I mean, anybody can sack Kyler Murray three times in a game. You deserve the... <laughs> You deserve the nod right there. That's all I got to say. True. Yeah. And I only wrote down a one because when I watched this the first time, I just watched it. Second time, I watched a condensed version and just usually I write some notes, some talking points. The only thing I wrote down was this Vikings offensive line is such a Jekyll and Hyde because in the run game, they will fucking dominate. They will bust holes. They will seal the edge. Cook half the time, you know, Dalvin Cook will run you over, but half the time he doesn't have to until the second level. It's yeah. amazing. But then they get into a passing situation. It's like they forget what they have to do. Well, it's it's, it's the, amazing. It's the type of guys that they have on their offensive line too, because Zimmer wants to be that run first defense. Like he he picks up and drafts. Like even um even Darisaw, he's the type of lineman who's just like a sand in his pants kind of guy. Like he's gonna sit there, you're not gonna be able to move him. And he's going to try to move you. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you don't have the athletic uh, lineman that, you know, can get out and reach block here and there and do all that stuff. It's like they're, they are set up to run the ball first. And then, you know, that's where you get the difficulty <laughs> pass defending. That's uh, not a, or pass blocking. It's, it's a bit more difficult for, for this group. And it's not quite their skill set. True. All right. Soupy, you ready? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. Studs and duds, studs and duds. It's all time for studs and duds. Studs and duds for week two of the NFL season in the year of our Lord 2021. Go birds. Anyways. Oh, by the way, a little sidebar real quick. I've taken to anytime someone says the word Philadelphia or Eagle, I say go birds and it's driving my wife crazy and I love it. Watching TV <laughs> the other day and ladies like that was my inner Philadelphia coming out. I just go, go birds. <laughs> you stop it. Love it. Gotta do it. All right, studs and duds. Soup, stud me. Uh Derek King Henry. Thirty-five carries, 182 yards, three touchdowns put the team on his back in a huge comeback against the Seattle Seahawks. Dude, he literally won that game single-handedly. It was amazing. Like the I fact also... that the Seattle just like forgot how to tackle in the second half. I don't know Dude, what happened. It's crazy. I literally wrote down King Henry too. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take him off my list then and I'm going to go two Coopers, one cup because Cooper Cup Nine catches, 163 yards, two touchdowns. I miss having him on my fantasy team. It's the first year I haven't had him. He's a stud. He had a long of 44. What a day. Matt Stafford making waves. Pretty good. Uh, my second stud is, uh, yeah, let's go Lamar Jackson. Uh, passing game, not super duper impressive. 18-26. 239 yards, a touchdown, did throw two interceptions to Tyron Matthew, who he desperately wishes was on his team. Um, <laughs> but he also 
ran the ball 16 times for 107 yards and those two crucial touchdowns in the fourth quarter with a nice comeback victory to finally beat the Kansas City Chiefs in his career. Got him. All right. A little bit of foreshadowing here. My next one is Tyler Lockett. Seattle Seahawks receiver with eight catches, 178 yards, and a touchdown. I swear they have a play called Huck It, Chuck It Football where Russell Wilson just backpedals and heaves it up, and somehow Tyler Lockett is wide open every time. It's voodoo. <laughs> I will mention to uh, um, Aaron Jones, who scored four touchdowns on Bishop Sycamore. Monday night. <laughs> uh, whoa, you got one more? That was two for me. Right, King Henry, Lamar Jackson? That's it. Oh, I did three. Oh. Okay, was... well then Aaron Jones is my third. So. <laughs> there you go. All right, my third then was Cortland Sutton. Nine catches, 159 yards from Teddy Bridgewater. The Donks playing some good football. 2-0. and All right, let's get to the Duddy McDuddletons then because I want to start this off with King Maga himself, Zach Wilson, just tearing <laughs> it up, going 19 of 33 for 210 yards, four touch, oh, excuse me, <laughs> joke, four interceptions. You want to guess what his QBR was this week? For, for who? Zach Wilson. Oh, God. Uh, Two? (laughs) 37. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's a quarterback rating of 37, folks. What a goon. He was was my first dud as well. You already already mentioned it. When uh, Sam Darnold leaves, and the one thing he left Zach Wilson was the ghosts of the New England Patriots. Seeing ghosts, baby. <laughs> uh, second dud then will be Joseph R. Burrow. Jojo Burger, my man. 19 of 30, 207 yards, three picks, four sacks, and a 66 QBR. That was a team you guys should have beaten. What the f- dud? Uh, my second dud. The Miami Dolphins, thanks for nothing, because that's what they did. They didn't score a goddamn point. I have their kicker in fantasy, so it's always great when your kicker gets you zero. (laughs) Hey, you know what is amazing is uh, we we don't root for injuries in this podcast. We don't celebrate injuries. It sucks that Tua got hurt. But if two is out for a long time. Yeah, that brisket guy just doesn't cut it. Jacoby Brissett. Uh, how many games do you think they can win? Jacoby? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look at their schedule. Because Six, the Eagles maybe? have their first round pick. <laughs> we uh, could be picking be in the top five. <laughs> could be fun. Could be stellar All right. My last dud. And I'm sorry to do it, but when you're a kicker and you have big, big money kicks to win a game, you got to make those kicks. Greg Joseph, man, I just celebrated you last week for kicking a game tying field goal. Yeah, how'd you like to be that sorry bastard? <laughs> that poor motherfucker. He just can't win. Uh, my last one was Jameis. I'm not eating a W this week, Winston. Mm-hmm. 11 of 12, 111 yards, two interceptions. You want to talk about Jekyll and Hyde. The good news out of that game is the final score is 7-26. The reverse Sean Lamont special. Yeah, my wife saw the score and she's like, I don't really want to watch the game now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, Soupy, that's studs and duds week two. Week three will sure to be filled with Vikings and Eagles. Let's get to that right now. Let's preview those two games. Kind of alluded to it a little bit. Kind of gave you a little preview. Soupy doopy. The Seahawks are coming to Minnesota. We finally get a Vikings home game here. The third week of the year. 
as the Vikings are staring down the barrel of a possible 0-3 start. What is going to happen? They've got to play better. <laughs> the, the defense more than anything. Uh, offense seems to have it clicked, you know, into, into cruise control here early. They they're, have the ability to move the ball down the field and put some points up. I mean, 26 points last week. Obviously, they had the defensive touchdown as well. But you, this is going to be just probably one of those classic Seahawks-Vikings game. And you just hope that, you know, Russell Wilson doesn't get the ability to beat you there with the ball in his hands for the you know, last possession. It just seems like that's the way it always happens. Uh, this is the first time, I think, in this is for, the first time in four years. Vikings and Seahawks have played each other four times uh, these last seasons. So uh, one of those weird, like, you know, non-divisional opponents that we always seem to match up with. So the Eagles the had that time. problem with the Seahawks like the last five years. Thank yeah. God. And so it's this is the first time in four years the Vikings are actually hosting the Seahawks. So that's a nice change. Again, finally getting, you know, first home game, get fans back into U.S. Bank Stadium, try and, you know, do the old reverse Seahawk there. You know, they're 12-man. We've got other fans in there just screaming, making crazy noise. Um, love to see a victory here. My goodness, would you love to see a victory? And this is actually the first of three straight home games for the Vikings. So would be nice. Get a win, you know, reestablish yourself a little bit. And uh, we've got a couple, uh, another tough opponent next week, too, that you're hosting Cleveland. So it would be nice to get, you know, well, obviously you don't want to start 0 3. That's, that's trouble. Then you're, you're staring into, you know, a huge, a huge hole to try and get out of. Um, but yeah, this yeah is if, a, we're, if we're staring down 0 4, we might be talking about interim head coaches here. Yeah, that's, that's pretty Unfortunately. Fair. Yep. And I think that's something that I mentioned, you know, in the offseason too, that, I mean, I know that if this is probably back when the Aaron Rodgers stuff was going on, but I mean, he is still in Green Bay. But if this is going to be his last season, you know, you're looking at the Bears who just drafted Justin Fields, you know, the Lions traded Stafford to the, to the Rams for Jared Goff, and they don't seem to have – you know, anybody in the wide receiver core now that they lost uh, Jones and Galladay. So it's a lot of rebuilding going on within the division. So might be time to kind of see the writing on the wall and go, okay, well, let's try and uh, move this in a different direction. And honestly, I wouldn't mind them actually going out and finding a fucking offensive-minded head coach again. That would be interesting Uh, because clearly – you know, defensive-minded head coach that gives up 34 points a week. That's not, not definitely the recipe for success. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a, again, just difficult opponent. I mean, you got you got Russell Wilson's legs, his ability to just make ridiculous plays, uh, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, you know, guys that are not easy to cover, not easy to run down, not easy to tackle. Chris Carson in the backfield. I mean, their offensive line isn't great, so that's going to be our opportunity right there. Contain Wilson in the pocket. Don't let him extend plays. You know, pressure him, sack him. Like, it's the only way that you're going to slow this team down because, I mean, what's the old saying? I don't know. This, uh, I can't even think anything right now, but (laughs) I was going to say the secondary can't cover a fart with a blanket, but that doesn't make any sense. Either way, yeah, it's just another tough, another tough opponent. Seahawks uh, clearly showing some cracks in the armor, though, giving up that big lead to to Tennessee, which Tennessee basically came back on them just on the ground. So maybe a good day for for Delvin Cook to to cook up some stew and find his way in the end zone a few times. If you play daily fantasy, highly recommend Delvin Cook this week. Highly. Recommend Alvin Cook this week. All right, Soupy. This is the first one that matters for the Eagles. They beat the Falcons. Great. 
They lost to the 49ers. Who cares? This is the first big NFC East matchup for the Eagles this year. It is at Dallas facing the Dallas Cowboys. Well, listen here. Number one, it's a divisional opponent. Always important. Number two, it's fucking Dallas. No one thinks they can do it. Number three, okay? All the writing's on the wall. This is a game. The Eagles can surprise people in the national spotlight. This is Monday Night Football. This is this is one of their two primetime games. They only got two primetime games this year. Primetime games. Tongue twister. Correct. Listen. I think the Eagles can win this game. I do. Dallas's defense is god awful. Their offense can be a juggernaut, but they are missing pieces. All the writing is on the wall. Everything is in place. They just have to execute. If Hurts and Sirianni can dip back into that week one playbook and not try to get too cute, I mean, stick with what works. Pick your spots. Dallas has that high-powered offense, and the I think for the Eagles, they would be wise to utilize that short game, the quick screens, run the football, try to play ball control. Just keep the ball away from Dallas and score points when you have it. I I have no faith in Dallas's defense. I have faith that the Eagles' defense can come up with a big turnover late that changes this game. Both sides of the ball, just play to your strengths. This is a winnable football game. This would yeah. go a long way. You're talking about a Dallas defense right now that's allowing 432 yards of offense through the first two weeks. That's not great. But they're only giving up 24 points a game, so yeah, a little bit better. Maybe a bend and like really bend, but don't break defense. Hey, if we're um, giving up field goals instead of touchdowns, that's a win for me. Absolutely. I mean, again, you, you mentioned... Uh, you know, the Eagles defense is much improved. Obviously, the, the week one slaughter and holding a pretty good offense to uh, 17 points. So you've given up about 12 points a game. That's uh, if, the, if the Cowboys only score 12, I think the Eagles have a very good chance to win this game. So hopefully the Eagles don't score 11 again. Yeah, that would not be great. No, I think I, I believe Sirianni is a good coach. You know, I buy into his talk. Like, when I watch his press conferences, I literally want to run through a wall. I feel like I could play the position, any position when he talks about it. Like, he he could convince me that I'm a placeholder and I'd go out there with 100% confidence. This is going to be exciting to watch on Monday Night Football. The only thing that worries me is that this game is has the potential to just go completely wrong from the get-go, and it's going to be three hours of misery. I don't mind if the team, this Eagles team, gets down and has to play catch-up or has to play from behind. What I don't want is another 36-3 to type of game, just a total ass-whooping where three and out, three and out, three and out. I mean, even last week, the Eagles showed they could drive. They could move the ball. They just couldn't finish. And if they can just clean that up, three, four, five weeks from now, we might be talking about this Eagles team as a legit you know, division threat right now. And I will still give it to the Cowboys right now because their offense is so potent. They can score at any point on any side of the field. I'm not going to take anything away from Dallas. This is this is the game. This is going to set the tone for the rest of the year. Are the Eagles going to be two and one, or are they going to be one and two, forever chasing Dallas the rest of the year? We shall see. Yeah, I think for me, this game comes down to Jalen Hurts' arm. Yeah, I mean, the Dallas has nothing in the secondary. Their secondary has been miserable the first two weeks of the season, and I think if. Uh, I mean, he's able to, whatever the scheme is they're going to come up with, if he's able to make the throws, the guys are going to have the opportunities to catch the ball. So, Just hope Rager can keep his feet in. Yeah, don't step out of bounds, Jalen. Come on now. God, that was like centimeters too. So fucking... 
Game of oh, inches, they say. God damn. All right. We might as well get to the pick'em. Hey, pick'em, that's the name of the game. Snatching winners every week like a turnover chain. Uh, picking spreads over under long shots. Ha! You know we got it because our bank rolls on top. Week three of the pick'em is here. Before we move on, of course, we're going to do a week two recap because your boy stunned the world three and one. Madden and Steve both hit two and two. Only one notable this week, and that was me. I had the Cardinals beating the Vikings 34 to 17. I did nail the Cardinals hitting 34. Thank you very much. Didn't give the Vikings enough credit. Steve, my apologies. Let's get to week three of the Pick'em. <clears throat> of course, we are going up against the Madden simulations provided by SG1 Sports on YouTube. You can look them up. They do all kinds of cool stuff, including the NCAA football season. We will start with the Eagles going to Dallas on Monday Night Football. The Cowboys are a four and a half, excuse me, a four point favorite. The over under is 51 and a half. And SG1 Sports is on the Eagles 27 to 17. Steve, what say you? Go birds. Picking the Eagles. Mm. Eagles win. 23 to no, that's not that's an equal sign. We'll go 23-18. I want the Eagles to win. I'm gonna root for the Eagles to win. I'm gonna pick the Cowboys to win. <laughs> I don't know. I'm at I'm picking the Cowboys 28-20. I don't feel good about it. Got to go with my gut, even if it has a hole in it. Cowboys 28-20. Next game on the docket, Seahawks at the Minnesota Vikings. Seahawks are a two-point road favorite over under 55 and a half. Show me the money. Give me the points. SG1 Sports says Seahawks 27-21. Steve. I actually wrote down the Vikings here because there's no way the Vikings are going 0 3. I got them winning 24 to 20. I'm going to take the Vikings to win 38 to 34. I saw you. Type three there, and I thought you were going to say the Vikings win 3 0. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Hey, I'll take it at this point. <laughs> win is a win. All right, we got the games of the week here coming up, so I'll go first. My game of the week this week is the Packers at the Niners. This is a big old... All our games are NFC games this week. Look at that. NFC battle. We have the Packers at the Niners with the Niners a three-and-a-half point home favorite, 51-and-a-half over under. Packers, 24-22, to 22, says SG1 Sports. Steve, how about you? Yeah, I'll give the nod to the Packers here. Um, Rodgers and the boys seemed like they had it figured out pretty well, didn't they? They uh, sure did. Packers 27 to 17. I uh, have said all along that I still don't believe in the Niners. All the hype, people picking them to win a Super Bowl. They didn't look that great last week. They uh, had a veteran head coach and a couple veteran players keep them in that game. I don't believe in them. So, yeah, Packers 31 to 28. I don't know if I already said that, but that's what I feel. Steve, your game of the week. week? Uh, my game of the week is the only game that has two 2 0 teams. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium. This is actually the first time Tom Brady's played a game in Los Angeles. So add that to the list of stuff he has done. The Buccaneers currently a one-point favorite over-under is 55. Look at the 50 burgers in the over-unders this week. Um, points are being scored. Points being scored, uh, except for the Miami Dolphins. Um, <laughs> SG1 Sports. Says the Buccaneers win 37 to 23. And I'd have to agree with them at this point. I 
don't know how you stop that offense at the right right now. Just seem to score at will. Um, two defensive touchdowns in this last week, so I'm gonna take the Buccaneers. Uh, they win thirty-six to twenty-nine. Well, while I stand on my pedestal and scream to the heavens, R A M S Rams Rams Rams. I don't know if that's what they do, but. Hey, it's not the Eagles. They don't just spell out their name. Actually, the Jets do it. (laughs) The Chargers. So the Chargers play in the same stadium. They have the most annoying thing that they do in their stadium. What is it? And it's every single time they get a first down and it sounds like some kid playing it on a fucking like kazoo does it and everybody goes chargers like you know charge <laughs> like it's so annoying like watching that game and just every single time they got a first down you just hear it i was like oh my god i could not handle that if i was a charger fan uh, that's awesome keep it up chargers fans all right i believe in maddie stafford i believe in this rams team I believe I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. No, I picked them to lose to the Packers. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> they're scoring at will. Stafford is having a great two weeks. It's going to continue. I'm going to take the Rams to win 24-17. to 17. Take the under. Yeah, I got the uh, this is the preview of the uh, NFC Championship game. So, And then I have the Rams beating the Buccaneers in it. So we'll see. Well... Dip that in my uncle's sausage. All right. <laughs> Soupy Von Doopy, my good old friend, stay goopy. You got any final thoughts tonight? Yeah. Can the NFL cut it out with these stupid taunting penalties? I mean, Jesus Christ. I understand, like, why you want to get rid of, you know, especially with something like what Antoine Winfield Jr. did in the Super Bowl, running up to Tyreek and giving the old peace sign, like, yeah, you don't want that type of stuff in the game, but it's like a guy makes a ridiculous play, you know, gets a 15-yard gain that he tried so hard for to pick up a first down and gets up off the ground and celebrates. And just because the defender might be, you know, getting up and in his face, suddenly that's a taunting penalty. Like, this is – it's it's so stupid. I knew as soon as they said there was going to be an emphasis on this, there, on this this year, it was going to be a fucking problem. And it's – like, it takes away from the game. Who Like – Guys should be able to celebrate, and that I mean, it is an important part of the game. Like, you need to be able to get that emotion out, and you know, hype yourself up to get out there for the next play. So, I, I think that yeah, this whole taunting thing is just a thorn in my side. Like, it's it's just it's baloney. They don't need to. They can get rid just, of it. It's just like anything else the NFL does when they know something needs to be corrected, they way overdo it. Like the pass interference thing a couple years ago. Well, they where, way underdid that. That was where instead like, of fixing it, they just said, "Okay, we're gonna make every single play reviewable, and even if they don't ask for it, we're gonna review it." Yeah, well, they like, always, they, even when they brought in that, oh, you can review pass interference now, and then guys would challenge it, and even though it was like blatantly obvious that it is pass interference, they'd just be like, "Nope, call in the field stands," every single time. I mean, it seems to be the same way for any replay they do this year. I don't know if they're trying to save time or what, but it, like, was it the Thursday times. night game with Washington when they had like clearly got a first down and they reviewed the spot and they're like, nope, yeah. still not a first down. What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? He was yeah. three yards past the line to gain. Yeah. I mean, it's, they've been really bad. Uh, even hell, you want to talk about the same game? How about the uh, offsides on the missed field goal? Turns out, not offsides. <laughs> so, congratulations, Washington. Hope you got a. They should well, be the, the Giants uh, Washington Rabbit Foots. That should be the new team name. Giants deserve that because they're the reason we have this taunting penalty. Because their owner came out and made a statement about there's no room in the game for taunting, and yeah, he's, he's mad John that. Mara. Yeah, John Mara. He's all pissed off that people are taunting it because the Giants keep getting their asses kicked and they don't have anything to taunt about. Yeah, if you, like if you don't want the guy showboating, don't let him score. What about that? Don't How about this? Put a decent team on the field. Mm, mustard nipple. Well, with that being said, we love you. It's been fun. It's been real. Till next week, please join us. Follow us on Twitter. 
at joint practices. I'm at 11 the goat. Steve is at the knock says, send us a tweet with the hashtag joint practices. Send us a question. Send us a comment. Send us a mess uh, tweet that says, I want to be on your show and we will let you come on our show anytime you want. Not joking. So, yeah, wherever you're listening, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, tune in. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, five-star rating. Love to see it. Nice little review. Sean's got beautiful nostrils, even though you can't see him on this audio recording. Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear more from you. Let's get some uh, some seven-on-sevens going. Talk about what you feel your team has the potential to do the rest of the way this year. And uh, we'll see you back here next week, hopefully celebrating a couple of victories. That would be a nice change of pace, wouldn't it? It would. And uh, you just brought up seven-on-sevens, and I just want to real quick give a shout-out to our last seven-on-seven guest, Dr. Mick, because his seven-on-seven episode is the most listened-to episode of any of our seven-on-sevens. Broke the record. Held by Dave Breton. By Manon. <laughs> it's late. I'm tired. Flag was fine. Stole Fuck Dallas. Vikings. How about them cowboys? <laughs> yeah. That's that first stop. I'll let you say that guy's name because you like to say Groove Hill. Granny Larson, I'm sure she'd love to hear it. So, yeah, she'll love all the swear words and dank jokes. It'll be great. Join, 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 join